The New Grad Physio podcast is hosted by Andy Barker, consultant MSK and sports physiotherapist, private practice owner and the founder of The New Grad Physio. Having experienced his own rapid rise from student to dream job just 15 months after graduating, Andy knows exactly what it takes to accelerate your skills and fly up the promotion ladder faster than you ever thought possible. Having previously worked in his dream role at the Leeds Rhinos as the head of physio and rehab, Andy now consults with a number of individual elite athletes and within professional rugby, football and dance whilst running his own group of private practice clinics. He started the new grad physio to help student and new grad therapists just like you overcome the specific challenges you face at the start of your therapy career, helping you to dodge the common pitfalls that can cause confusion and overwhelm with your clinical practice and stop you getting the patient results and the jobs or promotions you deserve. This podcast will deliver you actionable advice, will help you make sense of your patient assessments, reason your treatments and patient rehab to get results well beyond your level of experience. You will also discover what you need to do to open doors, to create opportunities for yourself, so you can enjoy the best possible start to life as a new grad physio. So, let's get started. Hey, it's Andy Barker here and welcome to episode 102 of the new grad physio podcast. The topic in this week's podcast is all about muscle injuries and how you can make better sense of the rehab you do with any muscle injury. So rehabbing a muscle in theory should not be that difficult. So we know how muscles work, the actions they do, where they their origins are, where they insert, and we we clearly have you know boatloads of exercises we know that can isolate certain muscles and and exercises, drills, techniques that are you know specific to certain muscle injuries. So with all this knowledge base all this evidence, everything we know about muscles, why is it we see so many of them? Injuries to the groin, hamstring, calves, quad, hip flexor muscles are so common and almost as common as the injuries themselves are actually re-injuries. So how often do you see the athlete come back from a hamstring injury and then break down again with the same injury? We, we see it all the time and, and it happens in private practice, it happens in the NHS with, with patients as well. And probably even more worrying than this is things are actually getting worse. So in 2017, a study by Erland and Vieira, they actually found that every year we're getting more hamstring injuries. They actually showed a 4% increase in hamstring incidence annually. And in the same paper and their study, they actually highlighted that year on year in sport, there's actually more hamstring injuries occurring in training than ever before. So again, despite all the evidence, everything we know, all the medical developments we've seen, particularly over the last maybe half century, we're actually seeing more muscle injuries than ever before. And then if you think about, and if you add to the, I guess, to the mix, the massive problem we've got with recurrent injuries Patients and athletes alike are breaking down no sooner than they're being fixed up. It's clear as a profession, as therapists, we're not doing a great job with muscle injuries. So the question is, what's going wrong? 
So what I'm going to cover in this special podcast is just three things that you need to be aware of, which are really going to help you better manage any muscle injuries to give you the confidence you need to stop your patients and athletes breaking down no sooner than you've got them back to full fitness. So the first, I guess, first thing and really important point is you need to know what a muscle needs to do and ultimately how to rehab it. So any rehab plan starts with the end goal in mind. You've probably heard me speak about before, about reverse engineering rehab, understanding the actual level of function you're trying to get your patient or athlete back to. And then that's that's really effective way of actually then planning, particularly your end stage rehab. Because if you don't really know where you're heading and what specifically you're trying to achieve, it's almost impossible for you to actually program and plan a um, rehab program. So you might have a quad injury. The next two clients you see in your clinic, the next two um, athletes you treat might both have a quad injury and they might present exactly the same in the clinic. You've got a footballer, patient number one, patient number two is a 10K runner. They may present exactly the same on the bed the same restrictions in range of movement, the same restrictions in your motor output testing, they may not like the same sort of movements you get them to do. They might have injured it the same way. They might have both been sprinting, decelerating, I don't know what was going on. But basically, they're exactly the same. But their rehab, particularly their end-stage rehab, is going to be very different. So I'll talk through a couple of things here. So think about footballer. Think about the level of, of output he needs to produce to actually kick a football. So think about the action of kicking a football. If we take the, the rectus femoris, which again is the most commonly injured quad muscle, it's a two-joint muscle because it also, as well as extending the knee, it also flexes the hip. And it's clearly a muscle that's highly involved in the action of kicking a ball. So when we go to kick a ball, the rectus femoris will shorten at the top, so proximally at the hip, as the hip flexes, and it will also help the knee extend. Once the ball's been kicked, this all changes. So the same muscle that's just produced that force, that's just flexed the hip and extended the knee, is now actually going to work eccentrically to actually limit or, or control eccentric hip flexion and knee extension to actually slow the limb down. Otherwise, a knee and the hip would just fly up into the air, and you—I don't know where your where your foot and leg would uh, would actually end uh, actually end up. So, one action, obviously, two different sort of um, different I guess parts of the action. This same action occurs when the ten k runner, you know, patient number two, when he's running. So, but clearly, it doesn't involve the same speed. It doesn't involve contact with something in the air. It doesn't involve the same level of force when kicking a football. So the same action, the same muscles working, but very different requirements. And what this should mean to you and your rehab, it should mean different rehab. So same action, different requirements equals a different rehab program. Number two, advanced rehab using one progression at a time. So... When rehab goes wrong for any patient or any athlete, it's usually, 
not always, but usually the case of too much too soon. So I had this my, uh, I'm laughing, laughing, I shouldn't really, but I had this myself with a patient uh, who's actually also a therapist recently who I've been looking after and rehabbing his um, ACL. So he had an ACL tear. He's absolutely flying with his ACL rehab. We, we got back running maybe a month ago. And then his running was progressing really well. We were building it up. We were about to start some, you know, sort of change of direction, slalom type running and some deceleration stuff. So we'd done some decent straight line stuff. Then we wanted to build up, obviously, his, his higher speed running. Um, he started doing some running sessions. So obviously, we'd gone through the plan. He had a really clear picture of what was going on. Really adherent with his rehab, you know, great guy. Uh, and doing really well. Um so he came in for his appointment after we'd done a little block of, of rehab running and he came in hobbling. So I was like, oh, doesn't look, uh, doesn't look too good. Has he irritated his knees? He'd done something, but nothing to do with his knee. He'd actually torn his hamstring. So what he'd basically done was he was doing a session uh, with running and he was doing some more speed endurance work. So a lot of his efforts were around you know, 70 to 80%. At this point, we'd not done any higher speed running. So we'd not actually gone above um, 80% in terms of intensity. However, he'd done the session with his mate. He'd gone through on, on the local top pitch near, near himself. And then his mate said, oh, we'll have a race. So basically, he's gone to sprint doing a max effort, 100%, and then tore his hamstring on the opposite side to his um, current ACL. So this happens all the time. You know, How often do you see it, even at the top level of sport, as an example, where you'll see an athlete return from injury with one problem, only to break down pretty much straight away with another. And I see this all the time. A lot of the questions that I get from students and new grads, inexperienced therapists, when they're struggling with sort of rehab and they're struggling with recurrent um, muscle injuries, the problem is is that you skip steps and particularly skip the early stages of rehab because that's all the non-sexy stuff. It's all the stuff that's quite boring. That's what you just you think's boring. You're too eager often sometimes to start loading the muscle with rehab in the gym, get them back on the pitch because you think that's that's what they need and, and what they what they need to do. And this happens more than ever in sport where there's there's almost that inherent pressure from the, the player, the coach yourself, to almost get them back as as fast as possible. But then just all you do is end up just, you know, skipping steps. I, I hear this this term all the time about accelerated rehab. Accelerated rehab is not a thing. You, you can't just you know, smash through um, a rehab program. It needs to be done in a systematic, step-by-step, progressive way. You don't accelerate through you know, through rehab. You go to the next step when you've completed the previous step, and then you progress to the next step, then the next step, then the next step. That might happen quickly. You know, you, you could go through two or three steps in the same rehab session, you know, with a you know relatively minor injury, but you still have to go through those steps to make sure that you your your athlete, your patient has actually earned the right and is actually ready to go to that next stage of their sort of rehab. One of the other things as well is as well as that skipping steps and and being too eager to start loading the muscle with say rehab or in the gym or or out on the field or whatever it may be. As an inexperienced therapist, what you'll maybe often do is not really understand and take account of the massive impacts that other injuries can actually have, not only on a poor recovery process from their current injury, but actually understanding that 
their past medical history, other injuries that they've had might have actually caused this injury in the first place. So think about they've had a, an old ankle injury on, on that same side and their ankle is just not moving well. It's not it's not to produce force well. It's not to absorb force well. So that's causing a change, a chain reaction, if you like, of, of compensations up the chain, which might have been a reason, a big contributor to why that hamstring has torn because it's overloading. It's doing the work for other muscles, other joints, um, in relation to previous injuries they've had in the past. So whilst not only trying to accelerate this sort of rehab process by not doing a great job right at the start with your assessments and understanding and taking account of other injuries that may have happened in the past, this is not only possibly going to contribute to a poor recovery from injury, but might actually cause re-injury because you can do a great rehab job in the world with a hamstring, but if their hamstring is continuously being overloaded because they can't tolerate force well through their ankle and you don't fix the ankle, then the likelihood is once they get back into high level running, get back into sport, they're going to break down again because that ankle is still a problem and you've not fixed that up. So again, taking a really step back from rehab and looking at muscle injury rehab, the rehab of any muscle injury will always follow the same principles. Early in rehab, you're probably going to load the muscle isometrically. Then you're going to introduce movement, which is an isotonic you know, thing. Then you're going to add load and or speed. Big errors happen when you rush this process, and particularly when you progress too many things at the same time. So again, this is really, really common in rehab and a, and a big, big error. So you might be progressing rehab, your patient athlete is seemingly doing quite well. So you want to add in a new exercise to their rehab program. But when you add this new exercise in, what you also get them to do is do this movement or do this exercise at a much greater speed than they've maybe done in the past with previous rehab. This in itself is setting yourself and your patient up to fail because if it doesn't go well, say the exercise irritates your patient, maybe in the session, post-session, day after, you don't actually know what it was. You don't actually know what went wrong. Was it the new movement or exercise you prescribed? Or was it the facts that they just weren't ready to do that type of movement at that particular speed? Who knows? Because you've, you've changed two things. You've progressed to a new movement, a new exercise that they've not done before, and you've also increased the speed. So that's two things. Keep things really simple. Advance rehab in a sensible and logical way and use one key progression at each stage. What I like to do with, with, with any injury, any muscle injury that I rehab, I will probably have one or two key exercises that will pretty much run throughout the full rehab process from early, mid, and late stage rehab. So the same exercise, just done differently at each stage. And one of the things that, say, you I might progress is speed. So you might have uh, a split squat, for a rectus femoris injury where you might do that isometrically early in the rehab process then you might add movement to that you might have them doing a rear foot elevated split squat different variation but the same movement pattern then you might have them doing like a jumping split squat to add speed to the same movement so it's the same exercise done three different ways isometrically isotonically and then adding actually load or movement to that same movement pattern the third thing is understanding the limits of rehab. So I'm sick of hearing people talk about you can't go wrong with getting strong and, and all that sort of stuff. 
you know, it's, it's all over social media, you'll see it all the time, but it's not quite as simple as that, unfortunately. And this is just one example, and this is understanding the limits of actual rehab. So if we take a hamstring injury, we take the biceps femoris, this is the most commonly injured hamstring muscle. We know hamstring injuries involve the biceps femoris and that the biceps femoris activity is highest when sprinting. No exercises, none at all, can actually replicate the forces and torque, which is speed around a, a rotational axis, that the bicep femoris muscle needs to produce during the action of sprinting. So you can get as strong as you want in the gym, but this is not going to carry over into sprinting. In short, you need to sprint to get the hamstring used to the forces required to sprint. And again, that sounds really simple, and you're probably thinking, I already know that. Surely that's so simple, but unfortunately it doesn't happen in sort of rehab. And, and sprinting and return to sprinting, like rehab, like anything you would do in the gym, needs to be progressive and you need to actually build up your patient, your athlete, to be in a position to actually be able to tolerate high-speed running. Going back to my guy before, the ACL guy, he wasn't ready to sprint. That's why I'd not programmed sprinting in his program but again he made the error he's made do you want to sprint just try to do it his, his muscles are not ready he wasn't ready to, to sprint at above you know 85 90 percent which he did and then ultimately one effort tore his hamstring he's probably four or five weeks behind schedule now so again a big error on his part but again is a lesson to to all of us that rehab needs to be progressive and that's why we program things in a logical and progressive way so what i'm not saying is building up muscle strength in a muscle is not important post injury of course it is but it's not the be all and end all of rehabbing a muscle injury all exercises have limitations the key with end stage rehab is ensuring that firstly your patient or athlete is actually ready to start end stage rehab so have you restored full joint and muscle range of movement? Have you restored their ability of their muscles to produce full motor output? Have you restored the body's ability to move in all three planes of movement? Have you added load to these movements if they need, you know, they need load added? Have you added high velocity movements and high capacity loads to, to tolerate um, that progression to actually on-field rehab to, to actually give them the green light and be confident that they're, they're actually ready to return to high-level activities like running out on the pitch or return to sport. So three things, you know, just to, re just to recap what they are, know what a muscle needs to do and how to rehab it. Advanced rehab using only one progression at a time and understand the limits of rehab. So it's all about your clinical reasoning and thinking about what you're actually implementing with your patients and athletes. Because if you can reason what you're doing, then you're probably not going too far wrong. If you can't reason what you're doing and you're just plucking exercises for exercise sake, you're seeing things on, on social media, on YouTube, on Instagram, and you say, oh, that looks like a great exercise. People putting, this is my go-to um, hip flexor or hamstring exercise, and then just programming these with your patients because they have a hip flexor 
or hamstring injury, then you're getting things completely wrong. You need to assess your patient first and foremost, find out what issues they actually have, then actually prescribe rehab that's actually going to fix the issues that you've found. And then you also have to be highly aware of what a rehab plan looks like. So how are you actually going to progress a patient from the start to the end? So when you first see them acutely, how are you going to take them through each and every step to, to be able to get them to the point where you're, you know, you don't crossing your fingers, you're not hoping for the best when you're sending them out running or back into a training or, or, or a game. You actually know you've gone through every step, you've ticked every box to know that they're ready to return to those higher level activities like running or like a return to sport. And if you don't have a, like a rehab planner, something that you can actually follow then you're probably just guessing and that is the, the one of the big reasons why we see so many recurrent muscle injuries like hamstrings like adductor injuries like calves like quad injuries happening over and over and over again just before i recorded this podcast i just finished off a special webinar all about quad and hip flexor injury management. I also have webinars and specific teachings on other muscle injuries like hamstring, hip and groin, calf, Achilles, tendon-based injuries like, like Achilles, like patella tendon. If you'd like to access this sort of content, if you you know enjoy this podcast and you'd like to hear more about muscle injury management and injury management itself and specific injuries like those I've just listed, then head to newgraphysio.com forward slash membership to find out more. Just finally, big thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the, the podcast. If you do enjoy it, then please just um, reach out to me, you know, post it on your, your social media, tag me in. I am at newgraphysio on Instagram and Facebook. I'm Andy Barker on LinkedIn. I always love to see um, you know you guys engaging with the podcast and, and sharing it with other people. If you think someone's gonna gonna find it helpful, one of, one of your fellow students or colleagues or another therapist that maybe you trained with, then please share it with them, please tell them about it. And as always, anything I cover anything you see and read or hear from me if you do have any questions then don't hesitate to get in contact just send me a direct message on social media or reach out to me andy at newgradphysio.com thanks for listening to the new grad physio podcast before you head off i just wanted to make sure you did not miss this alongside his podcast andy posts a weekly blog on his website www.newgradphysio.com you can access all his blogs and loads more resources like his recent PDF, the five breakthrough steps to confidently treat the shoulder right every time, avoid mistakes and stop you feeling less adequate than other new grads. This is Andy's most popular resource and has already been accessed by thousands of therapists just like you. To get a copy of this PDF or to get more information about Andy's upcoming courses or find out more about his new grad physio membership, head to www.newgradphysio.com. Have a great day and we will catch you on the next podcast episode.